And I just want to take this weekend to um, acknowledge those of you who have labored among us here at City Lights Church. You uh, serve on one of our serve teams. Thank you so much for uh, your faithfulness every week and serving on those teams. Um, I mentioned a bunch of our serve teams uh, last week. And if, you, if you're part of this church, I want to encourage you, be, uh, become connected to one of our serve teams. Um, and you can do that by going to our website, citylights.church. Scroll down, and there's a thing there that says, I want to serve, and we'll get you connected to a team. But this weekend, I, I actually uh, especially want to recognize one particular team. We, we often see greeters and ushers and media and the worship team and the children's people. Um, one team that you guys uh, maybe are not uh, familiar with is our uh, bereavement team. And that is a team of people who help with funerals and hospital visits and stuff like that. They are amazing. We, we hosted a, um, we had a funeral here, uh, here this week. I didn't officiate it, but it was a family in the church, so I came to it. And I just am blown away by these phenomenal team that just take such good care of people when they're going through some of the hardest uh, thing you'll ever go through. And so um, let's just give them a round of applause for being... <laughs> Bree Lovett heads that team up, and they just um, do such a tremendous job. Really just take good care of people. I'm so proud of them. All right, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Uh, This weekend is Labor Day weekend, and I want to talk about rest. Uh, The the holiday Labor Day was given as an extra day of rest for people. Okay, The title of our sermon today is called Labor to Enter Rest. Uh, That title comes from a verse... Um, in, in the New Testament. Um, how many know that we can, um, there are different ways to rest. There's, there's, there's physical rest, there's emotional rest, and there's spiritual rest. And I've talked about spiritual rest before because how many know that we rest in the finished work of the cross? We rest in what Christ did for us. And there's, there's an ease and there's a comfort in that. But this weekend in particular, I want to talk about physical rest. I want to kind of do a check-in with y'all and, and take inventory with you guys and make sure that um, the Holy Spirit is interacting in your lives and, and you are creating margin in your life uh, to have rest. Um, I'll tell a story to get started. My, <clears throat> my dad calls me this week, and my dad said um, when he was 16 years old, he was in church, and um, he sat with the youth group, as, as a lot of our youth oftentimes will sit over here together, he was sitting with the youth group, and they were on the wood benches there, and he was uh, sitting next to like a pretty blonde girl, and, you know, 16 years old, pretty blonde next to him, you know, trying to be cool and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, he, he gets tired, and he decides to rest. He falls asleep in church. Have you ever done that before? I've fallen asleep in church before. No one here has ever done that, right? Okay. He, fell, he falls asleep in church, so he's sitting there, and um, apparently uh, he was a little bit gassy, all right? <laughs> and as he was asleep, uh, involuntarily, because uh, you never do that voluntarily, especially with a pretty blonde sitting next to you, right? Involuntarily, he, he lets one go, and, it's, and of course, you're, he's sitting on this wood bench, and it amplifies and reverberates. And it's, of course, very loud. He said it was so loud that it woke him up. And then when he realized, <clears throat> he realized what had happened, which is just mortifying, obviously. And he says he just sat there and then he like, just pretended like he was still asleep. <laughs> just pretended like it didn't happen at all. And uh, he said to me, now I know why they call him pews. 
But the moral of the story is, it's good to rest, but don't rest in church. Otherwise, you might embarrass yourself. Now, luckily, we have these lovely padded seats for us, so, you know, still, be careful. Okay. For those of you who don't know, Labor Day uh, pays tribute to the contributions and achievements of American workers. It was created by the labor movement in the late 19th century, and it became a federal holiday in 1894. So it's been over 100 years since we've had that. We are truly, of course, standing on the achievements of those who have gone before us to build this amazing nation. Um, I'm always a little bit cynical uh, when people talk about how bad the world is getting. Um, Yes, in some respects, um, the world is going downhill in some respects. Mankind's capacity to annihilate itself through weapons of mass destruction is certainly a reality. There also seems to be an obvious moral uh, decay in the world. And so in, in some respects, yes, the world is definitely going downhill. And I do believe we are in the last days. And of course, we know those final hours of the earth are not going to be pretty. However, I think it's important to note that in many respects, over the last 150, 200 years, the world has gotten a lot better. And we need to be thankful and recognize that. Um, The United States and the world in general, and especially the United States, is a pretty awesome place to live. And let me give you, let me provide you uh, for some evidence, uh, with some evidence for that. Okay. If, If we, in this room, if we are honest with ourselves, there's probably not one person here that can say uh, that their life is not significant, can't say that their life is significantly better than their great-great-grandparents, right? Your life is probably a lot better than your great-great-great-grandparents, okay? 150 years ago, life in the world, and even in the United States, was extremely difficult for the vast majority of the population. Okay, let me give you an example. In the late 1800s, at the height of the Industrial Revolution, the United States uh, average American worked 12-hour days, seven days a week, in order to meet basic living standards. Average person, 12 hours a day, seven days a week, just to meet basic living standards, okay? These people were working themselves to the bone. Um, In many states, children as young as five and six worked in mills and mines and factories and made a fraction of their adult counterparts. Okay, here's the point. Life 150 years ago was very, very, very difficult. Um, I remember talking to um, my grandma, told me this story. that She she said when she, I think she was born in the 30s. um, When she was a little girl, she says, I remember only having one dress. She grew up, I think, on a farm. And she remembers having one dress. Well, what do you do when you wash that dress? She had to, like, wrap herself in sheets and different things while her dress was being washed because she only had one. Um, Nowadays... You have a baby girl and you have a baby shower. You've got three dresses before that baby's even born. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so we've come a long ways. And it's pretty, it's pretty hard to know all that about the world we live in, to know that we have fresh, clean drinking water, city sanitation, sewer, electricity. We're in an air-conditioned room. Uh, how many are thankful for air conditioning, especially in the summer here? Um, in the winter, heating. Uh, you can sit in your bed and stream a movie from your phone or whatever without even getting out of bed. Okay, it's pretty hard to know all that and feel like a victim at the same time. Okay, you can order 
in your bed on your phone a package, you know, something from Amazon, and many times it's there the next day. Okay, we live in a pretty, pretty amazing place, um, and I'm thankful for it. Personally, um, I, I grew up as a, as a uh, young boy. I had asthma, and on more than one occasion, I had life-saving treatments before the age of 10. I don't think I, if I had lived 150 years ago, I don't think I would have made it to the age of 10 because I received not just like, oh, this helped me breathe today. No, this was a life-saving treatment that I received today. The average life expectancy 150 years ago in 1870 in the world, the average life expectancy in the world was 29 years old. 150 years ago, 29 years old is the average life expectancy in the world. In the United States, it was a little bit better. It was 39 years old. Um, That's younger than me. Okay. Um, In 2019, the average life expectancy in the world rose to 72. And in the United States, it rose to uh, 79. Okay. So over the course of 150 years, the average life expectancy went up by 43 years. Okay. I'm 41. So the average life expectancy increased by my entire existence. That's pretty remarkable that we're living twice as long. Okay. So sometimes when people say the world's going to hell in a handbasket, it's like, well, we need to remember that you and I are living twice as long and working half as hard, okay? Uh, We have a lot to be thankful for. And I'm thankful that most people don't work 12-hour days, seven days a week. Um, We have margin for things like holidays and hobbies and different things like that. We have machines that do a lot of the work that people labored so much to do back in those days. But I believe that we still need to be very cognizant of rest. We still need to be cognizant of rest. Why? Because even though we have better labor laws, we have companies with competitive benefit packages and vacations and all that kind of stuff, the average person today deals with a lot of stresses. Those stresses are different than they were 150 years ago, but we still have a lot of stresses and pressures on our lives. Okay? So we need to adapt our strategy of rest to meet modern-day needs, okay? And so today I want to talk to you about you specifically, and I want to ask the Lord to help highlight to you a specific strategy of rest to maximize your impact on this world. So point number one here this morning, how are you going to maximize your impact to rest? Point number one, learn when to rest. Learn when to rest. Some of us don't know when to stop. Some of us don't know when to pause. We're just go, go, go. We don't even know what a break looks like, okay? Um, In Exodus chapter 20, God gave Israel and and subsequently us, um, he gave us the Ten Commandments. One of those commandments was to keep the Sabbath, a day of rest. He said, on six days days you're going to do work, and on the seventh day you're going to take the day off. Today, we, we, we take this like, yeah, that's pretty normal. You know, a lot of people take Saturday and Sunday off. We think, yeah, that's pretty normal today to, to get a day off. Back in those times in the Bible, this was revolutionary. The seven-day work week with a day off, it was a completely revolutionary idea to the world. Now it's all over the world. The seven-day work week and a day off is all over the world. And God actually said, this is one of the things to the children of Israel. He said, this is one of the things that will distinguish you from the rest of the people on earth, the fact that you're going to take a day off. And so they would, you know, there's other tribes or different um, peoples living near them, and that, that tribe may come to say, hey, we want to buy something from you, or we want to sell something to you, we want to trade with you today, we want to work with you today. And, and the Israelites would say, well, 
no, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. Today is the Sabbath day. We don't do any work on it. And that was like a peculiar new thing for the entire world. Okay, but how many know it's a really good thing for the entire world? Okay. Uh, For the record, the Sabbath day is technically Saturday. And practicing Jews to this day um, observe the Saturday as the Sabbath day. They take a day of rest. If you go to Israel with us, you'll see how serious they take the day of rest. In fact, some um, of the ultra-Orthodox Jews and the ones that are, are very serious... They, they go so far where they're like, if you're on an elevator, pressing a button on an elevator is considered work. So they don't want to press the button on an elevator. So on the Sabbath day, you get on the elevator, and so you don't have to press a button. The door, the elevator goes to every floor, opens up, closes, next floor, up, closes. And it takes a long time to get anywhere, right? But that's so you don't have to work by pressing a button, okay? So... You can get, I would, I would call that a little bit legalistic. You can go a little far with it, right, and get a little uh, legalistic. But the Jews observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Many Christians also observe Saturday as the Sabbath day. Our, our host church, the Seventh-day Adventist church, they're, they're Christians, um, love the Lord, um, but they, they take Saturday, the Sabbath day, very seriously. They don't do any work on it. Uh, many other Christians kind of observe Sunday as the, their day of rest, that's the day that they take off. Um, personally, I don't believe the specific day is as important as the principle itself. I think the principle of rest is very important, and we need to take it very seriously. I don't believe that personally the exact day is what's as important because our lives are so, um, a lot of us work Saturdays, and a lot of, you know, so as long as you're getting a day off. Personally, I, I try to take Saturdays off. If I have to work on Saturday, I try to take Monday off to make sure I get a 24-hour period of rest. Here's the deal. The manufacturer of the product knew what you needed. The Lord created us. Do you guys remember the, um, back when I was like in auto shop, I don't know if they even still have these. It's probably all online now. But back when I was in high school in auto shop, they had manuals for every car, like of how to take that car apart if you want to take off the, the brake caliper. There was a step-by-step process, every bolt to get to that caliper. It was the, the, not just the maintenance value, but like literally everything about that car. How many know that this book describes for us how the manufacturer made us? And if we want to optimize our impact to this world, we have to live the way this book says to live. Amen? Okay, so yeah, you can clap. Let's go for it. That's good. So you need a day off every week. I compare the Sabbath day to tithing. Okay, when you tithe, you give them 10% to the Lord's work. When you tithe, you're declaring by faith that God can do more with the 90% than you could do with the 100%. When you take a Sabbath day, you're declaring by faith that God will do more with the six days than you could do with seven days. Okay? So, in, in one sense, it's honoring the Lord with that, with that time, but it's also, it's also honoring yourself, and there's some faith attached to it that, yeah, like, the world used to be everyone worked seven days all the time. They didn't take a day off. And this is a way, of, it's, a, it's an act of faith. I'm going to take a break today, and I'm going to trust the Lord. He's going to provide all my needs according to his riches and glory, okay? Um, in Exodus chapter 16, when the Lord started telling Israel to take a, take a Sabbath day, in Exodus uh, 16, um, they were supposed to, 
God was giving them manna. So they went out and God provided all their food. They went out and collected manna. It's like bread or something. And they collected, they were supposed to collect enough for every day. But on Friday, they were supposed to collect twice as much so that they could have enough for the Sabbath day. And it says in uh, Exodus, um, yeah, Exodus chapter 16, that some of them went out on the Sabbath day to collect manna, and there was no manna for them. God, didn't, God wasn't providing on the day of rest. Okay, They were supposed to get more than enough on the Friday. And here's what I want to say. I believe this, this marks a principle that we need to live by. And the principle is this. When you work, when you're supposed to be resting, there will not be a grace for supernatural provision on that day that you're working. When you work, when you're supposed to be resting, there won't be supernatural provision on that day that you're working. Okay. Now, the inverse is also true. When you're resting, when you're supposed to be working, there will be no grace to rest. All right? We need to know when to work, and we need to know when to rest. We need to know when to be productive. We need to know when to hang our hat up. Amen? How many remember King David when he was, there was a particular instance when King David was the leader of the armies, right? There's a particular instance where David, for whatever reason, is back relaxing at his palace while all the men are out fighting. Okay, David was supposed to be out with the men fighting, but he, who knows what the scenario was. Maybe it was some of the commanders like, hey, David, you don't need to be, be here. We got this. Why don't you go back and relax? Who knows? He was supposed to be out fighting with the armies, and what happened? He ended up getting into some trouble because there actually wasn't grace for him to be resting when he was supposed to be working. And for those of you who know the Bible well, uh, he fell into some pretty big sin at that time of his life. Okay, David was resting when he had grace to fight. So here's my point. Don't rest when God's given you grace to work. And don't work when he's given you grace to just rest. Amen? Okay, so each of us needs to live by this principle. I don't, I, I don't particularly care if it's Saturday or Sunday or another day of the week. You need a 24-hour period every six days where you can just rest. Amen? Okay, so that's point number one. Learn when to rest. Point number two, learn how to rest. Okay? Not all rest is created equal. Not all rest is created equal. Um, some of you... Um, <laughs> to, to work in your yard or work in your garden, you might find that to be very therapeutic and relaxing. Other, others of you are like, that's work and I don't want to do it and I hate it. You know what I mean? Okay, we have to kind of learn the way that God's wired us and, um, to, to receive. Okay, the type of rest we need today is probably much different than the type of rest people needed 150 years ago. Okay, why? Because 150 years ago, People were just taxing their bodies. They were, they were working physically all the time. And so um, they needed physical rest. In fact, if, if you're here today, you, you're a landscaper, a construction worker. You have a very physical job. You're swinging hammers all day. The type of rest you need is probably very similar to the type of rest people needed 150 years ago. Okay. Um, you need to rest your body and maybe even engage your mind. Um, I don't know about you, but for me and this is, I think, getting more and more the case, uh, most of my work involves sitting. I sit a lot. I'm in meetings with people, and I'm behind the computer a lot. Okay, that's my work. So I, when I'm resting, I actually don't need, when I'm Sabbathing, I don't need more sitting behind the computer. I need to move my body, okay? Um, I need to disengage my mind and engage my body. So if you're behind a screen 
for 40 hours a week, don't take Saturday and Sunday or your day off and be behind the screen again. Amen? The type of rest you need is probably fresh air and getting out and moving, okay? Um, in Israel today, there's some debate around this between the Orthodox Jews and the, and the um, I guess, more secular Jews. There's some debate around, like, hey, is it work to run a 5K? Well, personally, I think running a 5K, that's recreation. That's like, I'm not working, I'm not behind a computer, I'm not in meetings, I'm enjoying something that I do, okay? The Orthodox Jews would have a very different um, opinion of that. They'd be like, no, that's working, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, okay? So I think, personally, I think we have to cater our Sabbath day in the, most, uh, in the way that is most conducive to us being refreshed and recharged. That's what we're looking for. The word um, recreate looks like this, recreate. Okay, when we're working, when we're laboring, when we're um, at our jobs, we are creating something, right? And we need to be refreshed. We have to be uh, refreshed in such a way that we can go back to recreating. So rest in such a way where you can go back to re- uh, recreating. Um, for example, uh, my wife and I, we just took a, you know, extended break this summer. We took a sabbatical and... Because we do so much sitting, we're like, when we're on break, we want to be moving. In fact, we, we went to Maui for two weeks, and there's some great beaches there. Um, but I can say that I spent probably a total of 15 minutes sitting on the beach in a chair. I was either in the water, swimming, doing something, moving, hiking, running, you know what I mean? Because that's how I recharge. Okay, so not all types of rest are created equal. This is my point. We need to be strategic with the type of rest we take. Okay, the, the type of work you do and the type of goals you have, you need to um, pray about this. Ask the Lord, Lord, how can I take that, that 24-hour period and be strategic with it so that I can live in such a way that I produce the most in my life? In fact, some types of, I think some types of rest are actually counterproductive to our purpose. I think some types of rest can be counterproductive to our purpose. Um, I gave you one example was David. David was resting when he was supposed to be working. I think there are times where, you know, if you're on a screen all day or you're on Instagram, do you guys ever feel good when you're on Instagram for two hours? I never feel good after that. I don't feel rest and refreshed either. Okay. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. We read this verse a lot here. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay, there is a specific race marked out for you. God has pre-planned, pre-ordained a race for you to run. And your race might look different than my race. Okay, our races aren't the same. Uh, We just spent 10 weeks talking about the Dream to Destiny series. We talked about purpose. But here's the deal. Your race um, that you're supposed to run is as unique to you as your genetic code is unique to you. Okay? You're one in seven billion people on the planet. Okay? But I also want to say that the way you rest and the way you recharge and what is conducive to your personality is unique to you. You know, you can have... The same, uh, you can have kids in the same household. One of them will be an extrovert, one will be an introvert. Well, extroverts get recharged by being around people, right? Introverts do not get recharged by being around people. They need more solitude, okay? So learn, learn the way that you're supposed to rest. <clears throat> How many know that 
in the running world, you have sprinters and you have marathoners. Do they train the same? No, they train completely differently. Why? It's a completely different race. Even though they're the same event, they're running, they're totally different events in the, in the same sense, okay? So what do they do? They have what's called training specificity. They train in such a way that's going to make them the most effective at what they're doing. Um, I'll give you an example of this. Um, I'm a runner, and uh, you might think, to be in shape to run, what do you got to do? Run. That's a good, thank you. Yes. <laughs> to get in shape to run, you have to run. Okay. Now, most of my runs are like longer, but kind of low key. They're not like, my heart rate isn't sky high. I'm just out cruising, putting in miles. And then a couple times a week, I do specific workouts that are designed to raise VO max. And VO max is this. It's, it's a measurement of the max amount of oxygen your body can utilize during exercise. Okay, long, slow, easy runs don't necessarily increase your VO max. In fact, I, I hiked Long's Peak yesterday. That's a 14-mile round trip, 5,000 feet of climbing, 5,200 feet of climbing. I looked at my watch afterwards, and I was looking at the benefit, um, the aerobic benefit versus the anaerobic benefit. I had a big aerobic benefit, that aerobic base, and zero anaerobic. So it didn't really contribute to my VO max. When, we, when my wife and I went on sabbatical, because I wasn't doing those specific workouts, my VO max, I noticed I came back and my VO max had dropped by a few points. Okay, here's the deal with VO max. To get that number up, instead of long, sustained runs, you do high-intensity training, right? So really high-intensity, you get your heart rate really up, and then you take a break and almost let yourself completely recover. So the, so the rest period is actually super important with a VO max workout, okay? That rest period, you want to reset your heart and then do it again go go super high. Okay, the specific demands of the race is what you have to train for. And it's the same thing with you and I. There's specific responsibilities, demands, and purpose for your, for your life. There's a specific, uh, specific calling for your life. And so we talk about training specificity, but today I want to like, encourage you, we need to have rest specificity. Rest in such a way that it's conducive to bringing the best result to your life. And I think some of us are resting wrong. I think some of us are not getting the most out of the rest that God wants to have for us. Amen? So that's point number two. Maximize your impact through rest. Point number one, learn when to rest. Point number two, learn how to rest. Point number three, I want to add this. Use caution when resting. Naturally, when you rest, you're taking it easy. But I want you to remember that the enemy of your soul does not take breaks. The enemy of your soul is looking for ways to exploit you in times of weakness and in times of vulnerability. Okay? Um, in Mark chapter 4, I'll give you an example of this. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus, uh, he gives the parable of the sower. And he talk, he, Jesus describes what happens when the, the seed of God, the word of God, is planned, implanted in our hearts. And he, Jesus highlights four heart postures, and three of them are unfruitful and one is fruitful. And I want to talk about two of the heart postures that Jesus highlights. And so um, he says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 16. Other seeds uh, sown on the rocky places hear the word. So these are people, they hear the word and at once receive it with joy. 
But since they have no root, they got no depth in God. They have no root. They last only a short time. Why? When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. This person's unfruitful because of the trouble or persecution. They don't have a depth in the Lord. Verse 18. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Okay, there's two sides of the spectrum here. He says there's the pressures of life that can cause you to become unfruitful, and there's the pleasures of life that can actually cause you to become unfruitful. Pleasures aren't wrong, but pleasures unchecked can make your life unfruitful. Okay, so here's what I want to say. When you're at times of rest, you're enjoying pleasures, of course, but we have to be careful. Here's what we want to do. We want to have dessert, but not two. If you like beer and you don't have a drinking problem, have a beer, but don't drink five. Amen? Um, if you want to go to the beach, okay, go to the beach, but be careful what you stare at. Right? Be careful what you stare at. Okay, so in times of rest, you can actually rest a little bit too much and go in times of a, a time of vulnerability. Pastor Greg, uh, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, he preached a message called the purity test. And he, one thing he talked about in, that, in the purity test was he said, we all need a purity plan. We need a, a way uh, to live our lives to stay pure. Some of us fail, not for lack of good intentions. I know that many of you have good intentions, but for lack of a good plan. We need a purity plan, right? Um, and so when you're going to go to a place where there's a beach and bodies and people to look at, we got, what do we got to do? We need a purity plan. Um, Again, my wife and I, we were in uh, Maui uh, the beginning of July, and we stayed at a city called Lahaina. Everyone say Lahaina. And I told my wife, I said, babe, they ought to call this place Lahaini. You know why? Because all the girls are wearing these, like, thong bikinis. Now, listen, if you want to wear a thong bikini, you do you. Uh, but so men are, like, women aren't responsible for men's lust. But um, there's got to be a line here somewhere, right? Right, guys? Um, and what gets me is like, you know, if you just got married and you're 25 and you and your husband are going to the beach, fine, whatever. But what gets me is you like, you'd have a family of four, like a mom and dad, and then two teenage daughters, and then thong, bikinis. It's like, what are you doing, dad? You're not embarrassed by this? Anyway, this is my point. Listen to this. This is my point. Let your hair down, but keep your guard up. Okay? For those of you younger, let your hair down is a saying of like to relax, Okay? Relax, but keep your guard up because the enemy of your soul still doesn't take breaks. Okay? And some of us, we're going through life, we're busy with things, we rest, and that actually becomes a time of vulnerability more than a time of recharging. And so we have to be careful, even in those seasons of rest, the enemy is always looking to exploit weakness in your life. Watch out for times of immense pressure because sometimes pressure can bring about us making mistakes. And watch out in times of, um, of relaxation. Amen? All right. I'll conclude with this. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28, um, says this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields as his disciples walked along. They began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? 
Verse 25, he answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Verse 27, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Verse 28, So the Son of Man, Jesus speaking of himself, So the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus says the Sabbath was not made for, for man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath for man. Okay, this is a gift to you. If you look at the Ten Commandments, you can, you can pretty much break all those down into, like, some of these are our way of loving God, and some of these are our way of loving other people. Like, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that's loving other people. You're not, you're not sinning against your neighbor and whatever. But also, many of them could be boiled down to this, loving yourself. And what the Sabbath is, it's taking a day and it's giving self-care. It's loving yourself. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. But I want to ask you a question today. Is Jesus the Lord of your Sabbath? Is he the Lord of your rest? Okay? Is he the Lord of your rest? Are you consulting the manufacturer on how to keep this temple healthy, prosperous, and full of life? Some of us here are running 90 miles an hour with our hair on fire, and we don't know how to stop and take a break. God wants you to have rest. Why? So that we could be more productive and effective. Some of us need that margin. Some of us need to know when to rest. Many of us need to reinvent how we rest so that we're resting in a way that's conducive to our being refreshed. And if we're being honest, there's some here who are not being cautious enough when you do rest. You're letting your hair down, but you're not keeping your guard up. And I believe God just wants to revolutionize our rest life on this Labor Day weekend. So why don't you stand on your feet? I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to highlight what he needs to highlight in your life and, and help you to create those, those boundaries. Father, we love you. I thank you for every individual in this house, Lord. God, that you've created us for a specific, you have a planned purpose and destiny for us. Lord God, built into that, Lord, is rest, Lord. And I just pray if there's anyone here who is not creating that margin in their life, they don't have healthy boundaries to allocate that time to just rest in you, Lord, to rest and receive, Lord. I pray that they would do that today, Lord.